following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You chose to take a journey down a long and dangerous trail Chose to serve your country and we know you served us well But now you're back and it's our duty to keep you safe and warm Shake your hand and welcome you back home with open arms We're America, your family, the land of liberty We're thankful for your sacrifice, your fight to keep us free We are America and we truly do believe You're the backbone of our nation, thanks to you we're living free We're a quilt of many colors and we breathe red, white and blue We're America, your country and America wants you it has been said that we are but one generation away from forgetting our history. Welcome to American Heroes Network, where we serve our American tradition. With Gary Ray, along with his co-host Linda Crater, and other prestigious co-hosts. In our program, you will hear firsthand the personal accounts of heroes whose unselfish actions have contributed to the traditions and values that represent the soul of America. You'll also hear from our partners and affiliations presenting news events and ways that our veterans and their families can rebuild their lives. Now, here is Gary Ray with his co-host, Linda Crater, and other prestigious co-hosts. Good morning and welcome to the American Heroes Network. Today is October 29th, 2013. Uh, do you believe that date? It's unbelievable how fast these days are going by. I'm Gary Ray, along with my co-host, Linda Crater, President and CEO for VeteranCaregiver.com. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. And I have to give a shout-out to my sister whose birthday is today. Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> What's her name? Her first name? Laura. Hi, Laura. Happy birthday. All right. I'm sure she'll appreciate it. Right. You know... I just want to tell everybody quickly about last Sunday. We went to skydive to land. It's a skydiving capital of the world, which is only about 10 minutes from our office. And we have uh, Dallas Wagenfeld, a Vietnam veteran who made a record jump for us. Uh, and it's actually with the American flag parachute and all the military service flags attached uh, below them, which were unbelievable. The, the pictures and the videos are on our site now. And uh, just go to the AmericanHeroesNetwork.com uh, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Dallas is a proud supporter of the American Heroes Network. He joined us uh, f- full bore, which is pretty good. And thanks, Dallas. But again, I want to let you know that we have a really good show for you today. It's Help a Vet Leave the War Behind. But before we get to our guests, we're going to take just a couple of minutes to provide everyone with a live veteran truck update. Today's update is brought to you by First Class Merchant Services and Brave Marketing Concepts. Be sure to click on their logo on our sponsor page and see how they're helping our veterans. 
Veteran Trek is about two veterans, Anthony and Tom, that are walking a mere 2,700 miles from Milwaukee to L.A. for PTSD and veteran suicide awareness and awareness for the dryhooch.org. Good morning, Anthony. How are you? And how's Tom doing? He's doing pretty good. He's hanging um, in there? About- All right. I bet you have big breakfasts, huh? Uh, no. Yesterday no? was the first day that we had had... Uh, a real breakfast in over a month. Most times it's when you come through a town, you see a gas station and you just try to snag something quick. Wow. <laughs> I know camping out, I eat like a pig, uh, but hey. Well, I mean, even if we stay by someone, you know, like a host family, we mm-hmm. try to leave kind of early. So, you know, you eat toast and a, an apple or something like that and you just kind of hit the road. Mm-hmm. All right. You know, today is sort of like an undercover boss uh, uh, situation. I do. Uh, (laughs) Except that we're sharing the boss. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. And um, what would you like to ask him, Bob? Uh, Well, given you're not uh, eating any breakfast, are you losing any weight? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm down like 70 pounds. 70? (laughs) That's a pound a day. Since we left, it'd be like, 25. Yeah. You know, we hired you at the weight you were at, so we may have to make <laughs> Oh, he gets paid uh, per yeah. pound? <laughs> yes, yes. <Yeah. laughs> you know, that's been 60 days and 70 pounds. That's, that, that's Well, it's been, it's been 70 pounds since the first week of May when I approached Bob and said that, you know, we wanted to do this, and he said, okay, getting ready. It's been probably 25 pounds in the months that we've left. Wow. How's your legs holding out pretty well? I know you yeah, was, uh, yeah. I went to the VA in Grand Island and like I said, they were really good to me. They gave me some stuff that uh would help me, like a portable tens unit so I can address that stuff at night. It's it's more or less just making sure I have enough batteries or a place to charge them. And right now we're in Holdridge, Nebraska, um, which is kinda like halfway um through. We've got maybe uh, 180 miles or 200 miles left in Nebraska. And we ran into a guy yesterday who recognized us as we were walking down the highway. And uh, he asked us where we were going in Colorado. And we told him, he was like, you're going to go on a stretch for 100 miles where you're not even going to find a creek to fill your water. Wow. So we're going to have to figure some stuff out. <laughs> yes, definitely. That Mark- was good information, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it all came from us having to adjust our route because of the weather. You know, mm-hmm. like it was slower going initially because we we got so many blisters on our feet that it kind of slowed us down, and now we're being affected by the weather. So we adapted to the first set of challenges. We'll adapt to these. It's really not anything that intimidates you. It's just something where it's like, okay, well, i got to figure that out. Wow. Any other incidents happen? Um. Uh, since the last time we talked, we stayed in another cemetery, which was fine. You know, it's quiet. Uh, but otherwise, no, like the, good the last... Good to know. Yeah, the last 70 miles have been really good. People, uh, we were on, uh, we were in the news for Grand Island, uh, so people started recognizing us again. We were in the news yesterday, and uh, the family that was going to host us last night, they had to uh, change their plans, so we were kind of like... We don't know what we're going to do. There's bad weather coming in, and we can't leave Holdridge because we have um, supplies getting shipped here, and they should come today or tomorrow. So we're kind of stuck. 
So we walked by, and um, this lady that owns a motel was standing outside, and she's like, I saw you guys on TV today. How about a free room? So we're like, okay. Sounds good to oh, us. fantastic. That's yeah. great. That's fantastic. Mark, do you have any questions for Anthony? So you're halfway to, uh, through Nebraska, or 200, 200 miles left. Yeah, um, and, just, then, and then we've got Colorado and New Mexico and Arizona. I, I, I don't, I'm just glad to hear you, and uh, yeah. I'm just uh, glad you're cool, man. I'm glad your feet are hanging in there, and I'm glad uh, you and Tom are getting ready to eat breakfast. Yeah, yeah so we're going to eat breakfast pizza from Casey's, so it should, nice. be, uh, <laughs> it should be a good thing. Pizza right. in the morning is always good. Pizza in the morning, no. and it's raining outside, but I'm staying dry, so I really can't argue. all right well let's all wish anthony and tom good luck and give them your support by donating right now right from your cell phone just text the word donate to 80464 100 percent of your donation goes right to dryhooch.org we'll be providing a live update of their adventures every tuesday at 11 a.m eastern on the americanheroesnetwork.com today's show the title is help help a vet Leave the war behind. Linda, you want to go ahead and introduce our guests? I'd be honored to introduce our guests. Today we have Bob Curry, the founder and president of Dry Hooch of America, and Mark Flower, the director of community programs and a peer coordinator at Dry Hooch. So you ask, what is Dry Hooch? And please correct me, gentlemen, if I don't do this well. But to me, it is a remarkably um, remarkable and personally conceived community-based peer support coffeehouse which provides vets with a healthy, non-judgmental gathering place for veterans to be together as peers and to leave the war behind. I'd like to welcome you to the American Heroes Network. Welcome, gentlemen. Well, thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks a lot. And, and that, was a, that was a good introduction there. Good explanation. Right. Well, you know, tell us more about how you came to found it. Well, I mean, dry hooch, the, the term itself, hooch is a, a place you live in in combat. It's traditionally used a lot by Vietnam vets, but, you know, it, it goes back to even World War II with the Marines in the, in the, uh, specific, uh, in the Pacific. Uh, and so it's a place you live in. It's a shack. It's a bunker. It's a ditch by the side of the road. Any place you call home when you're in a combat zone. And uh, dry means no uh, no booze or no drugs, and unfortunately, we know a little bit more than we knew a while ago about PTSD, and people with PTSD or war trauma are 80% likely to self-medicate or have an addiction, mm-hmm. uh, so that's where the term comes together, and, you know, we look back at, uh, you know, the, the legacy groups, the uh, American Legion and VFW, who have been around for a long time. And a, a good part of their program was the social aspect where vets could get together or spouses could get together and they could share stories that other people couldn't relate to and get support from each other. Unfortunately, it was done around a bar, which is like putting fire to gasoline. Uh, of course, they didn't know it at the time. You know, that's that's been recent since, you know, 10 years after Vietnam. Uh, so when we looked for the social space, you know, we hooked on to the coffee shop, which has kind of taken over part of that, especially for the younger vets. Would you also view this as sort of a shelter or a haven for veterans? 
Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of people will come into the coffee shop uh, just as part of their routine. You know, they can come there for meetings or support groups or resources or whatever. But, uh, for instance, one of our biggest group is Vets Over 60, you know, which is your Vietnam uh, Korean vets. Mm-hmm. And who, for, by the way, have the, the greatest amount of suicide as far as numbers go uh, today. Uh, and, you know, they'll get together and they'll meet other vets. They'll become friends. They'll go out golfing. Uh, they'll sit down and have a cup of coffee, see what's going on in their network. So it's a safe place where they can kind of go into. Uh, but we are open to the public. And the, th- and the idea was that we didn't want to make this a place where uh, that's where the weird veterans go or that's where mm-hmm. the vets who have issues. So we get we have community groups that come together and hold meetings there. So it's as much part of the veterans as it is uh, community people who respect what uh, veterans have done. Fantastic. And, and Bob, by joining in with the community, are you also helping to share the awareness of what veterans provide in terms of value to the community as well as some of their experiences that civilians may be unaware of? Yeah, maybe I should ask Mark because uh, Mark Mark okay. a lot. Of oh, that's right. Mark is outreach. Forgive me. Can I redirect that to you, Mark? Sure. Yeah, we do a lot of community outreach. Um, we do what we call our warrior summits. Um, what that is is it's bringing uh, cultural and transitional issues of our veterans and our military to the civilian population. It's all educational. We just put together with a few of our community partners, our first suicide prevention um, conference here in, in Milwaukee um, to talk about not only suicide, but veteran suicide issues. Mm-hmm. And like Bob was saying, suicide is uh, for our Vietnam brothers, um, a really unfortunate high rate, but yet even with our youngsters or um, our youngsters of today, even though some of them can be 55 um, from these current wars that unfortunately more have completed suicide than um, have actually died in combat. So, right. so we take, try to take the transitional issues, the cultural issues to our community partners to help them understand the nuances, for lack of a better way of saying it, of our veterans. And hopefully we're teaching them the questions to ask so that they ask them so they may not misdiagnose something if for whatever reason, our vets ain't going to the VA for for whatever the reasons there are out there. All right. Mm-hmm. If everybody could hold that thought, we're just going to take a real short break. My name is Gary Ray, along with my co-host Linda and our guests Bob and Mark. You're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. 
by providing a unique blend of information and advocacy. We are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on AmericanHeroesNetwork.com and syndicated on iTunes. The American Heroes Network team depends entirely on voluntary financial support, advertisers, and sponsorships to keep the voice of our veterans alive and bring awareness, education, excitement, and most importantly, hope to the gray reality that exists for the hundreds of thousands of troops that are home and coming home. You can now become part of the elite team and help support our veterans. Your support is needed more than ever before. Become part of the Silent Heroes support team today. The Silent Heroes support team levels start as low as $26 per year. That's only 50 cents a week. Go right now to AmericanHeroesNetwork.com and join today. That's AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. Thank you for your support. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned in to American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to AmericanHeroesNetwork at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with uh, Bob and Mark from uh, dryhooch.org. And uh, go ahead, Linda. You had a question. Well, Bob I, and Mark both. We'll start with Bob. I, I feel that your personal stories and reasons for starting Dry Hooch are very compelling. If you're willing, would you share that story with our audience, please? Uh, yeah, this is Bob. Uh, I'm a, a Vietnam vet, so uh, I enlisted uh, in the Army, you know, which during the Vietnam War, you know, may have you questioned my sanity, but uh, I enlisted at 17 uh, in the Army. The idea was to fly helicopters, and as in the military, where you are in line a lot of times determines what you end up doing, uh, and, and during that, uh, I was switched to... Uh, to fly as a, a co-pilot on a reconnaissance plane and from there shipped over to Vietnam. So I was in Vietnam when I was 18. Mm-hmm. And we used to fly a lot of different missions. A lot of it was to find out where the enemy was uh, up in the northern part of South Vietnam. Uh, it was myself and the pilot, uh, and we were looking for the enemy or supporting troops locally. A lot of the missions were up over North Vietnam, uh, and then part of my way through the tour, I was transferred over uh, flying missions uh, with the Air Force and the CIA on the Ho Chi Minh Trail in, in support of the Hmong. So, you know, every I think everybody's story is is common in combat from, you know, the, the fear that you... A friend of mine said, you're scared the first month and the last month, and the first month is because you're in a place that is so bizarre and you don't know where things are coming from. In the last month, you're scared because you feel they're going to kill you before you come home. Mm-hmm. And all the rest of it in between, you just stuff it because you have to do what you do every day. So 
Uh, you know, a lot of it is this inbred fear that something's going to happen. You just don't know when. And you start, you know, you, you start changing. You know, they talk about PTSD as, as being a, a normal response to an abnormal situation. So, you know, you act differently. You hear sounds differently. Smells will, will turn you off. Um, so when I was there, I, I flew over, I think, 250 missions uh, halfway, if if the enemy doesn't get you, a lot of times your own government will get you because of stupidity. Yeah. Uh, you know, part of the way through the tour, there was an argument between the Air Force and the Army over who should have the plane. And then one day we uh, showed up and all the weapons were taken off the plane. We were told the agreement was the Army could keep it, but they couldn't arm it. So, you know, the rest ah. of the tour, we were unarmed and, and I lost a lot of buddies when the uh, enemy figured out that we really couldn't do anything. So, you know, when I, uh, when I came back home, I came in through Seattle. I was there late in the war. Uh, you know, I, I found that people who were there earlier, 66, 67, have a different view of the war. And, you know, I come back um, and uh, leaving from Seattle, you know, after being harassed by the Army for about a day just to get you out and get you back home, uh, we had the protesters attack us at the airport with, you know, tossing bloody chicken guts and eggs. And that sticks in my mind as big as you know, some of the stuff that happened there. Mm-hmm. And so I, mm-hmm. I, I took my uniform, stuffed it in the garbage can at the uh, airport and, you know, made a promise to myself that this never happened. So, you know, I went back to I went to college. Uh, I got married had a couple daughters. You know, I had great jobs. I was in the IT industry. I worked for IBM and AT&T. And, and, and every once in a while, when I look back, I remember instances uh, where my wife would, I'd wake her up in the middle of the night because I was slamming my hands into the backboard of the bed. And what I remember in my dreams was I was grabbing the ejection handle from the plane so I could get out of the plane that we were being shot down. And, uh, and but, you know, that was infrequent. You know, there's one time I got a smell in Wisconsin of Vietnam, which I still haven't figured out how you ever get that one, you know, mm-hmm. unless the neighbor was smoking marijuana down the way. <laughs> and your mind goes back for an instant, too, and I was like, all things going into the mailroom on base. It's something you wouldn't, you know, that wouldn't be a big memory. But I kind of grabbed myself because even though it was for a fraction of a second, it's like that strange pain in your chest that you think maybe it's a heart attack. This mm-hmm. is like a strange thought in your mind, and you just kind of start worrying about when is this going to come back again. So, you know, I, I fast forward till I'm about 40 years old, and the Gulf War breaks out. And then it was like a flip got, you know, a switch got flipped in my head, and I started remembering all this stuff. I mean, it would just invade my day. And, uh, I, I'd started drinking to, to calm it down. So I, and then I started writing on a book, you know, of all my memories over there. And I was watching CNN. I, I mean, I was just in a very different place. Uh, started getting drunk driving tickets. I, when I woke up in the middle of the night and couldn't get back to sleep, I'd, I'd, I'd eat four Twinkies and a sandwich. So I went up, went up to about 330 pounds. Uh, you know, and I'm five foot seven. So my, my daughter said, she was convinced I was going to die either by a heart attack or I was going to get into a traffic accident because of my drinking. Mm-hmm. And so the jobs became more frequent or, you know, the time in between them. Uh, I'd, I'd have to go to uh, AA treatment because of my tickets. And, you know, I, I was in denial. I was just trying to figure out a way of doing it smarter. And then at some point, 
during the 90s, I, I knew I was going crazy. But how do you tell your family you're going crazy, you know, when they're relying upon you to keep a roof over their head and things like that? So, uh, you know, and then these, you know, 9-11 happens and these wars and it was like everything was upped. You know, I would, I'd have memories of a guy that I served with that would actually be in the room with me and I knew he wasn't real. I had problems in staying in rooms that didn't have windows uh, and everything was crashing down around me. And then, and I was a binge drinker. So that, you know, to an alcoholic, that's always another excuse because I don't have to drink today. Uh, but maybe three weeks from now, you know, I'll, I'll get stupid and go out and drink again. And uh, one night I, I, uh, I had been coming home. I hadn't been drinking that day. I had brought out my book. I was writing it again. Um, I blocked names. Uh, so, you know, some of the doctors later said that's a way of dealing or not dealing with things. So I only remember one guy's name from Vietnam. The rest I blocked. But on that day, I pulled out a magazine that had two of my buddies who got shot down after they took the weapons off that they had found their bodies and they're shipping them back to uh, Washington, D.C. That's the last thing I remember until later that evening I woke up in a hospital and I'm bandaged up and I'm looking at some police officers and asking them why I'm here. And they said, well, the gentleman you hit tonight died, so you're being charged with intoxicated use with a motor vehicle. Um, So... That was a huge, that's one of those, I, I can't even explain the feeling of that one, except, you know, you, you kind of think you're a smart guy, and, and then with all the ignorance, you end up in something so horrific that you destroyed two people. So that night, I thought the easiest thing to do was commit suicide and just leave my family behind. Uh, and uh, I, I ended up, I couldn't do that. I was trying to slash my wrist and the the guard told me the next day I was cutting the wrong way, uh, which was kind of bizarre. Um, and then everybody kind of evaporated. Any friends that I had, uh, you know, I was done. I think they were afraid they would catch whatever I had. Uh, a lot of my family left, just figured I was a drunk, and I figured I was just a no-good drunk. And uh, my daughters uh, fought for me and went out to friends and found a vet I had been with in in uh, Vietnam with in Florida and he said you know we got to get him bail money so I after about five months I was bailed out and went into a treatment house that was run by a a Vietnam vet and a a lawyer who was a Gulf War uh, Marine and it was veterans like this who I never knew who had no reason to know me whatsoever in fact they probably would have been smarter just to leave me alone uh, but, you know, there was a, a, a guy named Joe who became my sponsor, was a Vietnam vet who had gone through his own hell with losing his family and almost his business. And uh, so I went into a, a, a halfway house and got treatment at the VA and over the next year and a half. And there's, you know, there's whole stories to that. I was uh, diagnosed with PTSD, 100% disabled from Vietnam. And uh, I, I ran into uh, Mark at the halfway house because he was managing it. So that's where that friendship goes. Mm. And one day, uh, my sponsor took me to a veterans post <clears throat> I never wanted to go to. And because uh, remember, I you know I'd walked away from Vietnam and that was the end of it. And we're having a diet coke at the bar in the General MacArthur Burger and talking to some other vets and looking at some stuff on the wall. And I went, you know, this is kind of cool. And when we left. I went, how do you do it without the booze? So somewhere in between then, you know, my daughters had worked at coffee shops when they were going to college. 
and and then the the term dry and hooch kind of came together. So we had plans to do the dry hooch. You know, un- unfortunately, the court had other plans for me, and uh, uh, I-, I went to court. We had changed. Uh, we had changed the pleading to not guilty by reason of insanity. Uh, and a week and a half later, a jury found me not guilty by reason of insanity. There was a number of flashbacks, you know, that were testified to. There was uh, among people who I had served with that came up and, and said that my story was true on where I was uh, because all of that was called into question. You know, my service, my Vietnam, the whole thing. And so from there, I, I went away to state mental institutions and uh, spent time there. And, uh, of course, a lot of those people thought it was just an excuse for being a drunk. And when I did get out of that, you know, I looked at my life and went, well, there's a lot of reasons I shouldn't be here. So something else needs to be different. And that's when, uh, you know, I called up Mark and I said, we got to do this dry hooch thing because these young vets don't understand what this is all about. And that's a long way of saying how dry hooch was formed. All right. We really appreciate your story there, Bob. Telling story. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Well, it's time to take a short break, and uh, this will be very short. I'm Gary Ray, along with Linda and our guest Bob and Mark from Dry Hooch of America. You're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. you've seen everything there is to see in online television let us surprise you visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports health business and more on demand 24 7 the american heroes network team depends entirely on voluntary financial support advertisers and sponsorships to keep the voice of our veterans alive and bring awareness education excitement and most importantly hope to the gray reality that exists for the hundreds of thousands of troops that are home and coming home you can now become part of the elite team and help support our veterans your support is needed more than ever before become part of the silent heroes support team today the silent hero support team levels start as low as 26 dollars per year that's only 50 cents a week go right now to americanheroesnetwork.com and join today that's americanheroesnetwork.com thank you for your support By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at americanheroesnetwork.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
You are tuned in to American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with Bob and Mark from Dry Hooch of America. Uh, Bob, that was a phenomenal story. And Mark, why don't you tell us about your yes, story? Sir. Um, well, I joined the Army in 1976 and did my federal service with the 25th Infantry Division, stationed at Schofield Barracks. I got done in 1980, um, kind of started my journey home with uh, uh, hanging out in San Francisco for a little bit of time and then came back to Milwaukee where then I joined the reserves um, and then hung out with the 84th Division. Um, Period. Well, I was, I guess, and ended up in 2006, finally getting done with the military because I went from infantry to armor to doing some training stuff to becoming a medic and um, with the 452nd Combat Support Hospital, I was the field sanitation NCO slash medic, um, and that's where I ended up my career. And ironically, my military life kind of reflected uh, my my personal life. Um, coming, coming, well, getting into the military and kind of, um, I guess the best way is solidifying my drinking career um, and all the actions of being an alcoholic and a drug addict um, throughout that period of time until 1993 where I kind of, the light bulb came on, for lack of a better way, where I started my journey in recovery, um, where I was able to start addressing not only the drinking problem and the drug problem that I had, but also some personal problems that I had that I had to rectify through my life. And a lot of it was amplified by the military, even though I didn't know it at the time. Um, started my journey, then I kind of like went from the infantry to armor then to the more or less destroying things to helping people kind of a journey. And um, when I started that journey, um, I worked a lot with uh, people in recovery that I've learned to respect and they, they kind of had to show me how to do things differently because up until that point, I really didn't think I was doing anything wrong. It was more and more of the world was against me kind of an attitude. Mm -hmm. But in that journey, I started realizing that service was a huge thing. And, um, and when, once I started really giving back, um, for lack of a better way, um, my life started changing a little bit. And in that journey, I started, uh, working in the aspect of helping people, kind of in that, that industry, I guess. And then that's kind of how I met Bob. I mean, I was managing a halfway house for drug addicts and alcoholics that were in trouble and working through the courts. And... Um, well, what did you, what'd you think when he came up? into meeting Bob. And then I, I remember the, the moment when he came, the first, well, the first time he attempted to dry hooch I mean, that was like the second person he bounced the idea off of, or maybe the third. I'm not quite sure, but I know Joe was the first. <laughs> um, and I said, no, that's an awesome idea. Because uh, 
even though I didn't participate much in veteran things until Dry Hooch became a thing, I knew we were all having our problems and our issues. And um, I remember the first time we, we attempted Dry Hooch was actually where our forward operating base is today. Um, on 4801 West National Avenue. It was a bar and a, an old restaurant where we, we started tearing it out, but then Bob's journey kind of took his took him to where he needed to be. And, and, and I call that was it right the across, spiritual side. Go ahead. That was right across the street from the VA, wasn't it? Yeah, it's totally right across the street from the VA. All right. So then Bob did his journey, and we came back, and then we started our journey with Dry Hooch. Ironically, every coffee house in the very beginning, every coffee house in Milwaukee was our office. <laughs> and then we received our first um, grant from HWPP with the medical college here in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And with a partnership with the VA, we did this survey that uh, kind of we talked about what would veterans think of a dry hooch and kind of incorporated what they thought VA services were like. It was kind of a dual purpose survey. And out of that, we received enough money where we talked them into to give us uh, the opportunity to buy our outreach truck. And then our old truck became, kind of came our office for a little bit, which then moved us to eventually to Brady Street where we opened our first spot. Roughly, I think almost four years now. Um, why I got involved is because it's a wonderful idea. And I know sometimes we get the short end of the stick being that we're the most able to say uh, we take orders well, for lack of a better way. So sometimes we um, we don't buck authority a lot sometimes, even though we're the first to buck authority when it's a really good mission. It's kind of crazy as that all sounds. Well, you know, it, one thing from that report that you just referenced that struck me was that four times the number of names on the Vietnam War Memorial have committed suicides since returning from Vietnam. And that number isn't quite that high with our current veterans. But I dare say that the efforts you're making here will make a difference in reducing the number that take their own lives because of the peer support and the environment that you're proposing. The VA can't do all of the job. So your community outreach, does do you view it as taking on some of the responsibility that the public generally thinks the VA is doing? Well, one of our whole thought patterns is it's going to take the community to help us help our guys mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. And um, so we put a big emphasis on building community partnerships with not only with the, the, the veteran side, but more importantly, though, with the civilian side, mental health organizations and AODA organizations and law enforcement and local government and um, God, every, anybody and everybody that, that needs to kind of get out there and, and kind of understand what's going on. Because unfortunately, sometimes when our civilian um, providers treat people mm-hmm. and if they don't realize that they're a veteran, they could misdiagnose. Right. Because that's something that uh, 
Well, I know that happens. Because um, there's, we have that different dynamic as, as veterans and as, as soldiers and airmen and seamen. And, um, and well, oftentimes vets also don't self-identify, which makes it difficult as well. Sure, but we're at least here in Milwaukee and, 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 and everywhere else we try to go is we try to really instill in people to ask the question. Mm-hmm. And because of these wars with reservists and National Guardsmen, not only to ask, um, are, are you a, uh, did you join the United States Army, but are you a member of the National Guard? Are you a member of a reserve? Because ironically, we still find some National Guard folks out there that may not consider themselves actual veterans because they belong to the National Guard. Right. Um, when, it, when I was going through my issues, uh, the therapist knew there was something else going on. This is in the 90s. And, uh, and she pulled out the, uh, the medical manual, and they diagnosed me with ADD uh, instead of PTSD. So they didn't know what PTSD was. So only 7% of veterans use the VA today, which is astounded me when I heard that. And depending where they're located, you know, a lot of them are near areas where veterans don't live. They live miles away, and a lot of them have private insurance. So they'll go to, you know, just a regular caretaker in the area. And if that caretaker or that doctor or nurse doesn't understand that there's some other diagnoses out here like PTSD, like traumatic brain injury, they'll miss it. And they'll misdiagnose it. So a big, a big issue is just getting them to the right people who can help them. And, uh, you know, we're kind of the, the door before and after. I mean, we get vets in, but we partner with the VA. And if, and if we determine that they really need those kinds of services, we'll take them right in. You know, we only do the peer part of it. So it's just getting the word out to the community and especially to the families who are really lost. Right. Bob, if you were in a position of power at the VA, what changes would you make? Well, one is I'd make sure that family members are taken care of. Uh, that's, more, that's more of a congressional thing because, you know, they've been giving the mandate to, give, uh, to help our veterans. But the people that serve with them is their family, their spouses, their children, you know, their mom and dad or sisters. So one is to, mm-hmm. to treat it across the family unit. And, uh, and, and two is to partner with community organizations, not just us, but, you know, Easter Seals, for instance, have programs or uh, Mental Health America. So I think they have to recognize that they're, they're not the be-all, tell-all, because a lot of people are still falling off that train. Well, you also raise a point in that 65% of all vets don't live within 25 miles of a VA right. center. So yeah, that's so very not. important that the community is brought into play because it, it simply cannot be done without that sort of outreach. Right. And if somebody files a disability claim, right now I think they're at 588 days before they make a decision. And right. that's if the paperwork is correct. And, you know, what Mark and I are seeing nowadays is a lot of people being released from the military because the, the government's trying to downsize the military. And when they do that, they will get rid of people who've served three, four, five tours in a combat zone because they went out one night and got drunk and they'll give them less than honorable discharges, which means they cannot partake in any treatment whatsoever, which is, which is totally wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is an unfortunate trend I'm beginning to see with the people that we work with. 
And, um, but I guess, you know, we work on changing that one, one person one, at a time here. So yeah, I was going to say try to get them things upgraded and whatever the case may be. All right. One family at a time. That's right. Yeah. Well, we're going to, we're going to take another short break. I'm Gary Ray, along with my co-host Linda Crater and our guests, Bob Curry and Mark Flower from Dry Hooch of America. You're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel. And we'll be right back. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. The American Heroes Network team depends entirely on voluntary financial support, advertisers, and sponsorships to keep the voice of our veterans alive and bring awareness, education, excitement, and most importantly, hope to the gray reality that exists for the hundreds of thousands of troops that are home and coming home. You can now become part of the elite team and help support our veterans. Your support is needed more than ever before. Become part of the Silent Heroes support team today. The Silent Heroes support team levels start as low as $26 per year. That's only 50 cents a week. Go right now to AmericanHeroesNetwork.com and join today. That's AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. Thank you for your support. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at americanheroesnetwork.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned in to American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to AmericanHeroesNetwork at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with Bob and Mark from Dry Hooch of America. And Linda, you were talking about uh, or asked a question about female vets. Well, we all know that a smaller percentage of veterans are female, but they often come back into the community with some rather unique issues. Does Dry Hooch specifically address some of the needs of women veterans? Yeah, this is Bob. I, it, we knew from the beginning it, it was going to be a, a big target group and and have unique differences. I, I kind of feel like an idiot talking about female problems when when I'm a male and 
people wonder, well, what would you know? But you know, this, right now they they take a, they they are fifteen percent of our military, and you know it's a military that's changed quite a bit. You know, since my time in the role of women back then, but we know that they're able to serve virtually every combat role there is. We've all heard stories of of them in combat and being a POW. So you know, they they have everything that a male soldier has plus and. What we've tried to do at Dry Hooch is have women veterans as part of our staff so they can talk about things that are unique to them. And it's been a bit of a struggle. You know, it's been a bit of a struggle since we began on finding women vets who are comfortable in, number one, in their own issues, but then being along enough that they can, they can reach out to other women vets. You know, if you, the, the stats on military sexual trauma are all over the place. Right, you know, right. we've all seen the news of, of even uh, higher-ranking individuals at, for instance, the Air Force Academy who, who put up with these, these uh, insepid games that are going on. So, I mean, there's a real struggle for women in the military, so we try to help that. But, you know, and the, the VA has been struggling with that, too, because it has been such a, a unique difference. Uh, I remember women telling me that they would go to the clinic and, Somebody would say, "Are you here with your boyfriend or uh, you know your your husband or something?" And so they were disrespected out of the gate. But that's the way things had been, and and I'm not taking anything away from the VA. So they've stepped up to that. Uh, but you know, there's still issues. If a woman comes back and she's got PTSD and maybe military sexual trauma, there's only one or two places in the country that they can go for inpatient treatment, which is which is horrendous. For instance, they have to go to California if they're from Wisconsin. So here's a female uh, veteran who's got issues, a high-rated divorce just between military people and families. They will usually have the children, and now you're going to take this woman and send her to another part of the country and dislocate her from her children and her family who can support her to give her treatment, which is only part of the problem. So... Uh, you know, we we set up groups and we you know we find other women to run those groups, and uh, they have their own journey. And uh, just like we do, for instance, with a, a separate audience, we we uh, do work. Uh, Mark does work with the uh, police departments because they they have their own issues, not only with combat, uh, but also combat on the street. Uh, so we try to to set up people in those circumstances. That's what appears all about is is unique people helping out each other with unique situations. Well said. And does each dry hooch have its own set of programs? Are they independent of one another or are they all the same? Or do you view them differently as to where they are located within the community? Well, each community has its own unique flavors or problems or set of resources. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we started out with one location in Milwaukee. We have three now. We, We have one in Madison. We're opening up in Illinois. You know, Gary knows we're talking about. Uh, Florida, and uh, we got a group starting in Michigan. So a lot of communities have come to us and said, we'd like to bring something down there. So what we do is have a chapter system. You know, we're not different than, you know, the American Legion or the VFW from that standpoint. And when we started, we had one model, and, and that was what we called the TOC or the Tactical Operation center, and that's the young. <laughs> the young vets told me what the terminology was because I said outpost, and they laughed at me and asked if I had served in the in the army during the Western Wars. And, 
So I said, well, I'm not quite that old. <laughs> so it was Tactical Operations Center, which is like a full coffee shop that's open to the public and large programs, which is the first place we started here. But we realized that's a lot to put on the plate for people starting out and having a, a life, you know, mm-hmm. a, a job or something else. So we have what's called a Ford operating base, and it's it's not the coffee shop, but, you know, it's really not open to the public. It's more, you know, to help the vets and start the conversation and and the smallest one is a combat outpost, but, in, you know, take away the language, but say a group of vets are meeting at a local church and they got their own coffee pot and they're meeting once or twice a month, we can give them programs that, you know, how do you, how do you become a peer? What do you do? What can't you do? So, and then we add on to other programs that, you know, here's partnerships with, for instance, uh, Easter Seals, uh, because, you know, we're going to be opening in an Easter Seal location in Chicago. So they bring employment programs to what we do. So every situation we talk and what's your unique problems, what's your resources, and then we tailor a program for them. All right. You know, one thing we do want to bring out uh, because of our time factor here is you were recently recognized, Bob, by the White House for your work, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, with veterans as part of the Champions of Change what was the experience like? Uh, that's another one of those moments where everything's kind of in slow motion when you remember it. Uh, I mean, it was a hell of an honor uh, to be there and, and to be there with other vets who are doing unique things for veterans and families. So I was honored from that. And, uh, of course, you know, you're back four days later and, and you're taking out the garbage in one of the locations. And so you come back to reality. But... You know, it's a strange journey because if I mentioned where I was before, when I, if if I had sat in the mental institution and said, okay, four years from now I'm going to be at the White House, <laughs> it probably would have kept me for a while longer. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's, uh, yeah, I, I still don't have the answer to that question. It's phenomenal. But anyway, we we only have a little bit over uh, two minutes left, and I'd like to thank Bob Curry and Mark Flower uh, from Dry Hoot of America for being with us today. Bob, what would you like to share with our listeners in closing? You know that everybody can help that you know older vets like myself and and the not so old like uh, Mark. That a lot of our healing comes by helping other people, especially when you struggled with something. You know, you hear quite a bit of stories at Walter Reed and that of yes, where Vietnam yes. vets just on their own showed up and talked with younger vets and, and showed them their journey. So it helps both people, you know, that there's a way out of this. So, you know, if somebody's struggling out there, go and, and ask for help and uh, go to a vet center if you don't want to go to the VA. Find a dry hooch. Find another veteran who's maybe been down your journey. Uh, and get a hold of somebody at the dry hooch and say, hey, I'm in Austin or I'm in California, and we kind of like to do this uh, and, you know, help other veterans. And, uh, you know, reach out and help somebody, and you'll make your life a lot better. All right. Mark, what would you like to say in closing? I would like to say that it's not weak asking for help. We have we, we lived in a culture and are in a culture in some ways that when we ask for help, it's considered weakness. And I just can't emphasize more than anything else that asking for help takes so much strength when one is struggling. And so people to remember that when someone's asking for help, don't consider it a weakness. Consider it a very extreme strength because they're coming to realize that um, 
there is something going on and then they're reaching out for and asking for that help that will be needed so they can turn that stuff around and become more productive for not only themselves but for our society in general. All right. Again, Linda? Well, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Asking for help is a rare form of courage, but I also think that your stories and talking about dry hooch and establishing them around the nation will also play a pivotal role in giving accurate information, providing peer support, and, and sharing the value of the veteran within the communities. And it will take a nation to help support all of those who have served us so ably. So thank you so much for your effort in doing this, and we will continue to spread the word here. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Gary. Live- Thank you, Linda. You're, You're welcome. welcome. You're welcome. Our live veteran update was actually brought to you by First Class Merchant Services and Brave Marketing Concepts. And just remember, if you missed the live show, all our shows are archived on demand on the AmericanHeroesNetwork.com and also syndicated on iTunes. And you can actually hear these uh, all these shows right on your phone. And remember, we spotlight and promote the best available information of interest to America's veterans and their families anytime, anywhere, and on any device. I'm Gary Ray, along with my co-host, Linda Crater, signing off, and thanks for listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and have a great week. Thank you again for joining us for this week's edition of American Heroes Network. Please join Gary Ray and his co-host, Linda Crater, and other prestigious co-hosts again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. We are America, and we truly do believe you're the backbone of our nation. Thanks to you, we're living free. We're a quilt of many colors, and we breathe red, white, and blue. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.